Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, author of Slayer, Buffyverse novel, Kirsten White. Hi, Kirsten. And we are joined by two incredible guests. Our first guest is a game and fiction writer and runner of the Dread Singles Singles Twitter account. Jordan Shively. Hi, Jordan. Hi. Hi, Jordan. And our <laughs> second guest is a super cool drag queen from Chicago. Discord Adams. Yay. Hi, Discord. Hello. Discord, I love, I, I feel like we've been like talking for a while to try to get you on, so I'm glad you're finally on. Oh, I'm so excited about it. The first time you messaged me, I literally freaked out and told my boyfriend and he was making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me really happy. Uh, yeah, so Discord, would you like to go first with your Buffy origin since you're both first time guests? Oh, sure. My first introduction to Buffy is that it was just always on in my family's house because um, my mom and my aunt really loved it. Um, and I remember it was right around season three when I first started, like, just seeing, like, random episodes. Um, and then I started watching it, like, fully live starting, like, the end of season four. Like, watching it, like, continuously as the story progressed. Okay. Uh, do you remember the first episode you saw? Oh, it was the one with, um, is Balthazar, was he the big fat one in season three that needed, like, the water poured on him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's Faith's first episode, Faith yeah. Open Trick. That yeah. is the yeah. first episode that like really stands out in my mind because I think I was probably like eight, and like I just that monster oh, specifically really stuck with me. <laughs> Discord, you did the thing I hate. You're so young. Oh lord, I'm so old. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I'm 36. Okay, that's not, that's not old. <laughs> um, I think I'm still the oldest. So. Uh, well, anyway, um, <laughs> that's also Discord. That's really funny because that's my first Buffy episode too. For oh the wow! Trick. Really? Because um, I always say like, yeah, I always say like I lied as like a closeted, you know, baby gay, and I would say that I had a crush on Faith and I wanted to be Oz, but actually it was like you know completely reversed. Because <laughs> oh, when I met Eliza, I told her that she was like my first crush. <laughs> oh my god! Did you meet her in drag? No, no, no. Okay. That would have been cool as fuck, though. I met Joss Whedon in drag. Oh, really? Yeah, like, full, like, Joker drag, too. <laughs> there was there was this, um, like, very of-the-time club in New York I used to go to called Greenhouse, and I would go, like, every Sunday, and one of the random Sundays I didn't go, Eliza Dushtrew went and hung out with, like, all the drag queens I was friends with, and I was so mad. <laughs> Joss looked at me like I was a crazy person. <laughs> Was it at a con? Yeah, it was at San Diego. Okay. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, and Jordan, would you like to give us? Would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Mine's a little more cloudy because I think the first time I ever watched Buffy was back when um, spoilers. My my parents were in a cult in Mexico, so um, I remember watching it in Spanish when I was very young and not really understand, not really like knowing that it was this other series. So I think one of the first ones I ever watched was either the one where they first meet um, Cordelia or it's one of the ones where like Angel is moodily leaning on the bar at the bronze or something. <laughs> I feel like that's every season <laughs> one through two episode. <laughs> so it, it, was an er it was an early season. Yeah. I'm very curious what cult your parents were members of that allowed you to watch Buffy. Um, Pentecostalism. And somehow it slipped between the, the rails there because oh, there's certain i think I, I used to i used to point things out to them like look mom like she's killing the demons she's like working for god and stuff <laughs> like that you know i tried to do the same thing like with, with, the, with the doom video game and that one didn't quite work but um <laughs> that's actually so like a really clever way of going about that if your yeah. parents are like that to be like look they're getting rid of the demons yeah, they're yeah it's like they're beating up demons it's just like the chronicles of narnia <laughs> Buffy is also a Jesus lion. <laughs> so yeah, today we are here to discuss one of the iconic season six episodes, Tabula Rasa. Uh, it's one of my favorites of the season. Um, and before we even get to like the episode itself, I felt like the previously on Buffy for this is kind of the same for every single episode with the rest of the season because it's it's Buffy, it's a... Uh, Tara being like, I think you're using too much magic, and Buffy saying she was pulled out of heaven, which is like, that's it. That's the whole season. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they oddly keep dropping in the gambling for kittens scene and all like the 
the, the yeah. previous episodes. Like that's some big deal that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so the episode begins with uh, Buffy and Spike. So the last episode ended with them finally kissing. And this episode is them begins with them in the graveyard. Kind of Spike wants to talk about it. Buffy doesn't. And this, this is my, like, not my favorite version of Buffy where she can't decide about Spike. Yeah. Because their kiss was very, like, it was, like, romantic and, like, the music was playing and, like, they both leaned in for it. And then she's acting like, ah, it was just, like, a, a weird thing that happened. Oops, I was drunk or something. Uh, and then we meet the literal lone shark demon with a freaking shark head. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they just, like, with this one, they were like, eh, screw it. Let's just make it work. And uh, because they knew that wasn't the the bulk, like, that wasn't carrying the weight of the episode ever. Right. So they just were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I will say, like, the conversation between Buffy and Spike, they do a good job of, they do such a good job in this season of one second Spike is sympathetic and you're like, oh, maybe. And the next he says something really gross and you're like, no. Yes. Yeah, when he's like, you're that kind of girl, aren't you? It's like, oh. Yeah, oh I know what kind of girl you are. Yeah. And you're like, oh, um, yeah. yeah. So they do such a good job of like playing with that. Yes, because like, right, I'm like immediately annoyed at Buffy. And then, yeah, Discord, like you said, that specific line when he points that out, it's like, don't be gross. And like, also you just kissed. It's not like. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it's definitely like foreshadowing to the way he's going to treat her. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and then her, too. Like, when she says, oh, I'm never going to kiss you, I'm never going to touch you, and then immediately tackles him. I mean, obviously, they right. played that for last. But again, that's the same thing this entire season. Like, you're disgusting. I hate you. Also, let's go break yeah. a building with, you know. So. <laughs> uh, the Lone Shark did give me my favorite line of the whole episode, though, I think. When he said. did? Yeah. He said. Very, very, very like melt oh, dramatically. He's like, time, time is what turns kittens into cats. Like he was like world weary when he said yeah. it. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Oh, Buffy should have taken him up on his offer. He said, you know, he would pay her to do some debt collection. And clearly he's only collecting from demons. So like, was that any worse than doing fast food? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I feel like he's an upstanding businessman. Yeah, <laughs> he's always trying. He's always trying to de-escalate situations. He just wants to make his overhead. You know, I mean, the Watchers Council isn't paying her, so someone should. Exactly. Nor are they emotionally supporting her anymore. Exactly. That's true. Don't get me and Cherson started on that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a whole book about that. Uh. <laughs> I also appreciate, um, and so. I don't know if the two of you have watched uh, Jessica Jones. Kirsten and I are big on Jessica Jones. Um, Buffy, I've been thinking about this. Buffy season six, she channels a little bit of Jessica, mm-hmm. especially in this scene, because she's like immediately over it and like immediately rolling her eyes at absolutely everything that's happening and is like fighting, but is annoyed to have to be fighting this fight. And I kind of love that it's- version of Buffy. <laughs> Yeah. The kind of well, that's also the Buffy who kind of realizes that life is meaningless a little bit. Right. You know, that yeah. that even when you win, you're never gonna win. So yeah. what's the even the, the fucking point? Right. Yeah. Right. Well she doesn't she doesn't follow up with the shark. She doesn't like chase down his henchmen. She's just like, All right, we're done, whatever. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. She 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 yeah. was the super paladin before she did everything righteous and stuff, and then it was all yanked out from under her. So why fucking even bother anymore? Yeah. Yep. Just go go through the motions, do the minimum required by the job, and go home. <laughs> ah, you said the name of the song. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so then then we get the credits. Um, oh, wait, so I wanted to point out, this episode has two very, I mean, they're very specific, but kind of meaningless, but connections to Restless. Because in Restless, Xander says, like a shark with feet and much less fins, and that's the demon oh. she fights in this. Uh-huh. And in that episode, Spike wears his watcher, quote unquote, watcher's suit. And that's the suit he's wearing for the rest of the episode. Uh, it's just like weird. It's a good suit. It is a good suit. I always wonder if that was like, well, let's throw in that just like what, why that even came about to like throw in that connection. Oh, that's funny. But it, those are two of my favorite episodes too. So I love that there are connections between them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is there a long sleeve sweater duster emporium in this town? <laughs> 
because there's four different ones in this episode alone. Yeah. The white on white, because so that was a, that was a matching set that she bought. Yeah, and yeah. decided to wear to a graveyard to kill things that she knows is going to explode into dust. That's my yeah. least favorite outfit of the episode: is Buffy wearing that at the beginning. <laughs> it looks like she has like a leather sleeve sweater ve- sweater outfit, but then the, the body is knit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, when you live in Southern California, it is never, ever, ever leather weather. <laughs> <laughs> Say that five times fast, but. That's, you know, that's one of my big qualms with, with, I love her in the leather, but at the same time, it is never seasonally appropriate. Yeah. Uh, last time I was in LA, literally I went out for a coffee date and then it was like 60. So I foolishly, and I had to bring my backpack with me. Um, and I foolishly was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, like it's fine. It's 60 degrees. And then it went up to 83 and I was wearing like a very thick button up and jeans and boots Oh, and I had to be out all day. And I was, my friend was like, do you want to come to my apartment and like, look at some clothes to change into? I was like, shut up. Don't look at me. (laughs) No, I'm never taking this backpack off for the entire day. (laughs) (laughs) It is glued to me. It is not coming off. (laughs) So if I were Buffy, I would have, would be drenched in sweat like constantly because I know it gets colder at night in California, but not that cold, right, Kirsten? It's never leather cold. No. <laughs> uh, so then we get the credits, and then we move to the very bleak scene of the Scoobies sitting around the kitchen table at Xander and Anya's. Uh, the scene kind of like for me, I I always forget that's in this episode. I always think it's earlier on, but I mean it makes sense because Willow and Tara, you know kind of break up not quite like what tara's saying she can't do it anymore but she's also saying like go a week without magic and we'll see uh so it's not like quite a breakup but then you know willow makes it a breakup because she does the thing i have to say i think amber benson's doing some of her best work in this scene yeah and she's the only grown-up in this group besides giles but like and you can tell she she knows that's what's so sad about this scene is she knows that it's not gonna work she knows that this is a problem that is insurmountable, but she wants it to work still so much. And that's such like a relatable thing when you're at the end of a relationship and you know it has to end, but you don't want it right. to. And like, she plays that so well. She's so great in these scenes. Yeah, you yeah. can kind of see it in her eyes when she's like, how about you try a week that she knows that she's just like setting her up to fail because there's no way she's going to do it. You're still definitely hopeful, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though Tara kind of knows it won't work out, she's still... Like I, she's not lying. She still does love Willow and cares about her a whole lot. Yeah. She just knows like this is completely toxic, and if it's not changing, I have to, you know, get out. And is it in this? It is it. Is it in the scene when she's like mentions what Glory did to her? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because like that makes it so much worse. Like, oh, your girlfriend just went through this last season slash year, um, and like, oh, now you're like a villain did that, and now you, her partner, are doing the thing to her. And then mildly gaslighting her about it. Yeah. Yes. I was actually curious what you would think, Kirsten, because Willow's reaction is not really apologetic, right? She's more like, oh, well, that's what I had to do. What are you talking about? And it's like, she doesn't understand that it's wrong. Yeah, she does the whole, like, I'm doing this for us so that we can be together. Like, Don't you want us to be happy? Yeah. There's such a hard time with Willow in these these scenes because that, that, that line of being overly controlling and and abusive yes. she crosses it and it's hard to watch well i remember as a kid thinking like it gets so different watching it now but like when i was younger watching it like as it aired i remember thinking well i wish tara would forget too because i want them to be together but like <laughs> watching it now i'm like oh no like this is not good yeah oh yeah i just yeah. rewatched it today for the show and i remember back then thinking like just get along you know when i was yeah. younger and now, now i'm like oh, this is abusive and toxic. Yeah. And, oh. I'm kind of feeling like Dawn, because like Dawn is so devastated by them breaking up. And I feel like that's how I was as a child. Like, no, just like, just don't <laughs> make the spell go wrong. Like, let Tara forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things like that, that like as an adult rewatching you, like I still love Spike, but I completely understand that he is a big problem. And as a, like watching it when I was younger, I mean, until the sexual assault happens, I didn't think he was more, he was that much of a problem, mm-hmm. like watching it the first time, but he clearly is mm-hmm. even, even prior, you know, not just the sexual assault that makes him a problem. He's a problem way before then with, like you said, the way he talks to her, the way he like, he like negs her all the time. And eh, yeah, 
Not great. It, it is really interesting watching it um, when you're younger and then revisiting it. And that's what I feel like is is one of the reasons why the show has such staying power is every age that you come to it, you get something different from it. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a teenager, Angel and Buffy were like so deeply romantic. And then when I watched it as a mom, I'm like, you've known him for 20 seconds. <laughs> like you are not a me. I want some actual dates. Like anyway, um, but it is, it is all these things that like they shift as, as you grow, as you experience different things. And I think that speaks to the brilliance of the writing that it works on so many levels yeah. and, and it holds up when you revisit it, you see different things every time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we, me, I think, I think you and I, Kirsten, discussed this earlier in the season, and I discussed it with Anthony as well. Like, Tara's, you're using too much magic, comes out of nowhere, but once you get to this point, it's like, yes, this makes sense. But prior to yeah. that, it didn't quite add up. It was like, suddenly, she doesn't want her using magic to, like, when they're looking for Dawn. Mm-hmm. But I, and I remember when I watched this season, it never even occurred to me that Tara, that, like, I thought it was supposed to be, oh, they're both wrong. I kind of thought. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. But I think it's just like maybe in the beginning of the season, they don't quite set you up enough for the reaction of Tara saying to Willow, you're using, like, you know, like when they're, like I said, when they're searching for Dawn in, I forget what episode, I think it's all the way. Yeah. The Halloween episode. It's like, oh, but that makes sense that she would use magic to help Dawn. Like, that's a good reason. Uh, but then, like, Tara in the long run is a hundred percent correct because you know Willow tries to end the world because of magic, uh, and then goes on her like bender in uh, wrecked and smashed. I think rewatching this though, I after we just talked about how good the writing is and how much it holds up, I do think it is more obvious now watching it as an older person how the writing for Spike at least is so two ended. Like they try to play upon. Uh, like the, the romanticness of a vampire and he's doomed and he just wants to try to be good. But then they also give him all these really ugly cues that he says. Yeah. So I yeah. think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, a little bit with Spike, you know, Oh, they, sure. they want, they want to have that like brooding antihero who, who is like the romantic sexy guy. But then also like, if you're an adult and you're looking at it, you're like, no, this is super bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was purposeful. I think maybe it was just, them getting hitting some wrong notes with the writing when they retcon it too like um they so people always i'm gonna jump way ahead ian i'm gonna be the bad one this time (laughs) um so people are always like well he went and got a soul for her no he didn't and even in season seven they talk about how he went and got a soul for her he didn't he never said he was getting a soul for her he said he wanted to not feel that way anymore so i always read it as he was trying to get them to take away his love for Buffy and the chip so that he could, because he always said to give her what she deserves. Like, he wanted to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody everybody talks about, well, he got a soul for her. I, I, I get this a lot online when people are like, but Spike got a soul for her. No, he didn't. That was an accident. <laughs> um, anyway, but I think that even in season seven, they were like, oh, well, we do want this to sort of be end game. So there's just a lot of a lot of inconsistency with Spike and you're right. And he is such a good character and he's so good on screen yeah. that I think you kind of can gloss over a lot of it, but yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency. I like that he has like his good traits and his bad traits. Cause then it like makes it more yeah. believable as to why Buffy would struggle with like wanting to love him and wanting to hate him and wanting to be with him and yeah. wanting to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a merit to both the writing and his acting that yeah. I can still say like, Oh, I, can one see that he's a big problem, but also two still like love the character. I don't know. Yeah. I think, yeah. That, I think it's heavily onto how charismatic he is as an actor. Yeah. 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 Well, and like, a lot of the villains are so like purely evil, just like you are what you are. You are bad. You are evil. But like with Spike, you just have the duality of it, which like keeps him as that like main character and like keeps him a part of the Scooby gang, but like keeps everybody like on edge with him as well. When he runs off and the lone shark is like, Oh, he left. And she says, like, if I were to stop saving his life, it would simple things up so much. And it's like, yeah, that's true. You just spent two seasons doing this, though. (laughs) But, like, also, I wouldn't want her to, you know what I mean? Also, then we wouldn't have had all these, like, plots if she had just staked him. Even though, like, realistically, that would have made way more sense. Well, and the the Entertainment Weekly um, Angel Edition that just came out talked about that specifically. They said when they lost Cordelia... The gang was too nice and they needed somebody to fill that. I'm helping you guys, but also 
you're all stupid and I hate you, Void. <laughs> so, and so that's why they brought Spike in more. And it's true, he does function in a lot the same way. Like, he helps them, but he also doesn't when he gets the chance yeah. to. So, yeah. I'm going to be a good co-host. I'm going to move us forward. Okay. Um, so next we have the scene where Giles tells Buffy that he's leaving. Yeah, and I mean, Kirsten, we've talked about this to no end. So, uh, Discord, what do you think about Giles leaving? Oh, it just, I remember it always, every time I watch it, it breaks my heart. Like, even though I know he'll be back later, it's just, I never want Giles to leave, and I understand why he wants to leave and to, like, force her into, like, being, it's basically, like, trying to make her become the ultimate slayer. Like, I've done it. I've shown you what you need to do. The only way for you to, like, be prime ultimate slayer is to, like, do it on your own now, because... You've been around for fucking ever. But at the same time, it's like Giles is my favorite character. So it's like, I feel the heartbreak. And like, I feel as sad as Buffy feels. And especially with her, like not, he's like her dad, essentially. And yeah. with her not having her dad around as much, like, it's just, it's just sad. I love that Giles is your favorite. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still feel like it's a kind of a betrayal. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, totally. Not, like, I guess the unwise decision that Giles is making. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Kirsten and I have brought this up so many times, but yeah, what 19-slash-20-year-old would be like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm good. Oh, so he's criticizing her parenting of Dawn. She's not yeah. a parent. <laughs> but she's mm. not. <laughs> At all. Yeah. And even though Willow and, and especially Tara are really sweet with her, they're also still the same age, so it's like, yeah. oh, you want a bunch of 19-year-olds to by themselves raise this 15 slash 16 year old like they're not actually that much older than her Mm -hmm. and also this person who you've said that you don't want to see them suffer and stuff has just come back from the dead and they've they've vocalized a yearning for death yeah and now you're just gonna you're just gonna leave them you know you're not supposed to leave someone who vocalizes that they yearn for the grave alone yeah that's just saying. that's also a good point i hadn't even thought of uh mm-hmm. it's like well you're severely depressed and suicidal see ya deal with this yeah, yeah. <laughs> solitude is the best way to fix that <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so then so will and tara kind of break up will tara gives her like a let's see if you can go a week i do love anya and xander excusing themselves and it's their own apartment yeah <laughs> Uh, on the on the anya and xander apartment on the scene when they first cut it at the beginning and it shows the outside with the glowing window do they live in a huge mansion no no it's like an apartment (laughs) okay i was like what the fuck do they do for (laughs) that 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 magic shop never seems that busy (laughs) except front halloween yeah and then um yeah, I mean, Willow doesn't apologize that really. I, like, watching this was the first time I, like, very... I think I always thought of Willow being slightly more apologetic, and she really isn't. I think she's a Scorpio, maybe. <laughs> she's not only not apologetic, she's right up lying and manipulative about it. Because, yeah. like, it's, the, it's like hours later or the next morning when she, after she said she's going to go a week. Right. And her idea of, of, like, fixing it is to double down on the thing that her girlfriend just told, just told her was a violation. Uh, I love how she comes out with matching towels for her hair and her body. Like, yeah. <laughs> in a high style, I'm not ready yet. I mean, not, not being suspicious of that is on them a little bit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, if I could magic myself into looking as good as Willow does in this episode, hundred percent, I would have used magic for that. Yeah. But I also love that she matches herself into a, uh, it, uh, 101 villain shirt. <laughs> She's like, now Now the sleeves have little like str- tattery stings on them and apparently a magic pocket. And I guess at Forever 21, they're selling um, crystal pockets on their shirts now. <laughs> too. I don't think I realize that she leaves her like magic branches or whatever they are literally right next to the fireplace. It's like, yeah, wow, what the heck? Why would you do that? And, and based on the, the amount of she used, that's like enough for like 20 spells. Like, <laughs> yeah. She left the whole stash right there. Yeah. Um. So so we all know I have issues with the magic system in Buffy. Yes. <laughs> A lot what of issues with magic system. Here's my favorite. She does this English rhyme, and then she says something in, I'm assuming, Latin three times to like seal it. All right. But then because she left too many plants there, and those also caught on fire, even though she only named... Two people. Everyone who was in the room with those two people <laughs> gets their memory wiped too. Like, let's just 
Boy, that magic doesn't crack <laughs> at all. I just have to say it because it's a pet peeve of mine. And now we can move on. There, there are so many things in this series that don't track like that. Like uh, supposedly they do they stick to the vampires can't come in unless you're invited in. They do. What do you do with that? And then and then and then throughout this episode, vampires are just busting in places without being invited in. I think it has to be like your personal home. It has to be your yeah. house. You have to live. I also, I also love when, Kirsten, when you uh, voice your pet peeves with the universe since you had to write in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they all lose their memory. So it's, I feel like it, that's, it's a really good, uh, like showing you, oh, this is actually the season, but like Giles is about to tell them he's leaving. Buffy says she feels like she's dying constantly. And I would say... I, I don't have a lot of compassion for Dawn generally. No, neither. But <laughs> in the, yeah, none of us do. But in this episode, her expression when Giles says he's leaving is so good. Yeah. It's very subtle, but it's very much like this poor girl has just been abandoned right and left. And one of the few remaining actual parental figures she has is leaving. And I think we filter a lot of this episode through Buffy's pain, but like Dawn's. Dawn's had a hard time of it. And like her expression when Jaws says he's leaving is, it was really powerful. I felt like. Yeah. It, it's interesting how she's so good at coupling that, th- those looks, mm-hmm. but then with delivering her lines, like she's at a high school play, Yeah, you know, like, like it's like, Oh, I'm really good at this reaction. And then I'm going to like, and then this is what we shall do. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> don't make me have to def- know my defending Dawn tirade. <laughs> okay. okay. So we'll move on. So then they all forget. And they all wake up. I had to. I had to Google who Alan Funt was, by the way. Yeah, what is that? I'd never have gotten that reference. He was the host of Candid Camera. Oh, okay. Oh, writing writing for old people. <laughs> like <laughs> even back then, that was a very weird dated reference. I yeah. Because even Giles says, "Who's that?" Yeah, and like Giles is the oldest of the bunch. I guess Anya is technically the oldest. Well, Anya and Spike, yeah. but you know. Uh, yeah, I Googled that because I was like, mm, let me see what that is. I like Willow and Tara being like, oh, we go to the same school. And Willow's like, maybe we're study buddies. I was like, mm, maybe. Euphemism. <laughs> 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 I do like Giles and Spike assuming they're father and son. I thought that was like a good, silly thing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Giles telling Spike he's not too old to put across <laughs> his knee is like beyond weird oh, or is it <laughs> <laughs> like i know like for me i'm like yes great but also i'm like this is a 40 year old adult you're saying that to <laughs> even if you don't know he's a vampire he's clearly also, an adult. was that in the deleted scenes i'm just asking <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i probably yeah. read some fan fiction about that but you know <laughs> I, I, I mean, we could dramatize that. <laughs> Shut up, Jordan. Mike and Randy's outfit is my favorite outfit of that whole episode. And the whole oh really? It just cracks me yeah, up. The whole Randy Giles thing too is great. Like I love, I love this whole sequence and Anya mispronouncing her own name and Buffy settling on Joan. Like yeah. this is such the whole Joan. Why are you using Joe? Yeah, so cute. Her, I do like her and Dawn's back and forth. That she's like whatever Umad. I thought that was cute. Uh because I don't always, I don't always buy their like sister bondness, mm-hmm. but I liked it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anya, Anya, and Giles deciding they're a couple, which actually makes me appreciate what a good job the show did of never blurring any lines with Giles and the teenagers, like. I mean, yeah. fan fiction aside, he's right. always very, very appropriate, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> like, so it was fun <laughs> getting to see him play off Anya this way. Um, yeah, but, and it also kind of threw into relief the fact that there were never any weird vibes between him and all these teenage girls, and I really appreciate that. And when Spike yeah, suggests so. <laughs> it in a later episode, it's like immediately shot down and said how gross that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's Giles is always the like non toxic. Mm-hmm. Dad, man. This episode did feel a little bit like giving a lot of fans like the little baby ships they wanted, like just in like a Dallas wake <laughs> up, it's all been a dream kind of thing. Like, oh no, they're together. Like, nope. Yeah, but we let you see it for a second. And I, I actually do remember back then on like the posting boards and stuff, people oh, who did ship Giles and Anya. <laughs> Listen, I feel like. A lot of their, like, subconscious behavior, like, a lot of their true selves kind of shine through, like, a smidgen. Yeah. Throughout it, like, you know, Buffy and Dawn's connection, like, 
shines through. Even, like, Buffy and Spike a little bit. So it, like, made me wonder, like... And, and even, like, um, Tara kind of realizing that, like, Willow is hot. And so it made me wonder, like, was there kind of, like, an underlying thing behind, you know... Anya and Giles that was just always unspoken until this very moment and then it kind of made me feel better about the Hell's Bells episode like I was going through a lot of feelings today watching this <laughs> uh like I always look at the Buffy wiki like what they say for the episode and there was like a lot of fan theories saying like because uh Anya and Xander don't like everyone you're right everyone else has that like oh they still have those feelings there Anya and Xander don't and how maybe yeah. it's like a foreshadow to like their doomed wedding day that's true. They barely interact. Yeah, they don't even, they're not like... They don't even look at each other. Yeah. Yeah, and like everybody really was like, they were, as they were discovering or trying to just figure out who they were, they were on like the path that I feel like they would be for their character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think them opening that door and all screaming is like one of the most iconic Buffy moments. That might be my favorite shot of the whole show right there like really <laughs> i love that shot so much it's really it's good so good and like everyone's acting is a plus everyone's just like absolutely terrified and it's funny seeing these characters that like you know are completely immune they're not really scared by demons they might be like dawn might be scared when she's in trouble but like no one's really surprised what to see a demon let alone a vampire yeah and to see them all just, like, freaking out is so good. <laughs> and they're doing, like, the little, like, the jerk kind of thing of, like, they want steaks. Give them steaks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give them these. <laughs> I think Anya slash Emma Caulfield's line reading of their bloodsuckers, they like, suck your blood. Take it easy, Joan, is <laughs> so good. And it, I think it rivals her, oh, my God, did it sing moment from Once More Feeling. I feel like I say take it easy Joan a lot just like that's like a thing I say instead of like oh calm down or like oh don't worry I'll be like "Eh, take it easy Joan which I feel like sounds like you know on Twitter people be like oh blah 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 Karen just to like say a name kind of like fits with that (laughs) I also love Spike's yelp when he falls off the counter (laughs) yeah when when Willow's like maybe you're my boyfriend Xander (laughs) So, you know, she tells Joan, take it easy. Uh, they all scream in terror a lot, which is good. There's, like, when the vampire actually gets in there, and there's that shot of them all, like, cringing and screaming, Nicholas Brendan's, like, reaction to everything, he's, the, like, that That character's the most terrified, which I feel like does track. He's, like, hiding behind Willow. We have one of the best lines. Buffy fights off the vampires, and she says, or they said, what did you She says, I don't know, but it was cool. And then she says... <laughs> I'm like a superhero or something. (laughs) I want to quote all the time because oftentimes, you know, Amazon has all of these stupid breakdowns for bestseller categories that get like incredibly specific. So you could be um, the bestseller on Amazon for teen medieval fiction and history. Like I'm, I'm the only one guys. Um, (laughs) But for Slayer, Slayer was often the bestseller for teen and young adult superhero fiction and every time i would say i'm like a superhero or something (laughs) preceding that when she goes i think i know why joan's in charge (laughs) (laughs) so so the gang splits up yes joan slash buffy and randy run out the front door giles and anya are not leaving they want to stay in our magic shop and everyone else goes underground i feel like the everyone else going underground is kind of like then becomes like the c plot because yeah. it's the least interesting one. Oh, well, Anya saying that she needed to stay to protect the cash register is awesome. <laughs> like, that's like another part where it's like, oh yeah, like that's Anya coming through. The Anya and Giles, every time they cut to them is like really, really funny. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite scenes. So, yeah, Anya saying, I have to protect the cash register and do some spells. <laughs> like, I was busting up. That's definitely my favorite line from the episode. I'll up <laughs> earlier when... Giles is saying he's leaving and Anya's like, don't play, leave for real. <laughs> yes. don't, play with, don't play with young shopkeeper's heart. <laughs> My favorite scene comes from Giles and Anya too, when like she's just standing on the table and just keeps conjuring bunnies and bunnies and bunnies and like Giles is fighting off like oh, the yeah. skeletons. <laughs> Like that's my favorite part. <laughs> Great, yeah. I love, I love her like her genuine terror at first seeing a bunny, like when she makes it appear and she's just like losing her shit. I love it, love it. Then oh, then Buffy finds out 
Buffy slash Joan finds out that Randy slash Spike is a vampire and runs in terror from him, but everyone follows them. But then vamps follow uh, Willow, Tara, Dawn, and Xander underground. And I liked the Spike and Buffy scenes here because for me, it more implied like, oh, look, there is a connection here between the two of them because even though they lost their memory, they still, you know, she's protecting him and she's, you know, when she goes to fight him and she's like on top of him and they're just like talking and he's basically describing you the entire show of Angel and she's like, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I love, I love the Angel shade yeah. that was being thrown right there. <laughs> in, in my no- my notes, I just wrote, good Angel Burns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then so I, there's like that scene of Tara when they're hiding in the underground like sewers or wherever where Tara and Willow are just like looking at each other. But I actually have a note about that. Because everybody, everybody has kind of reset, right? So they're the most base level version of themselves. And when they're down in the sewers, Tara takes the lead. Huh. She's like, let's go hide in there. And she takes the lead. And it's a subtle thing. But Tara never takes the lead. That's true. And so when she has lost the memory of growing up in an abusive family, when she has lost all of these things that have sort of programmed her to be this very sort of meek, self-deprecating, don't look at me type of person, she takes the lead and she's taking care of people. And like, that made me really sad. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, oh, who would she have been if she hadn't grown up with that terrible family filling her head with abuse? I hadn't even thought of that, Kirsten. God. Yeah, yeah, I know. (gasps) My girl Tara. You must be a writer, Kirsten. (laughs) Or a mom. (laughs) (laughs) or both yeah Yeah, so then we get giles fighting the skeleton which is like so absurd and i love it and then willow says to dawn when they're talking she reiterates her line from doppelgangland where she's like and i think i'm yeah which i loved yes because that line is so right like in season three that was like the first like hint of oh is she yeah. And so I like that we are going back to, like you said, here's in their base self, mm-hmm. but she still was even thinking like the wheels were turning in her head. Like, Oh, Oh, I think I'm not actually into my boyfriend, quote unquote Xander, but like, I'm kind of gay. Cause clearly she's attracted to Tara. I forget how, Oh, Willow, Willow drops the crystal. Right. On. And then yeah. Xander, uh, did you take notice of the shoes Xander was wearing? Because, Oh boy, <laughs> they, they look like weird, like, performance crash. I try not to take <laughs> notice of Xander often. <laughs> I just really hate Xander and has him at the beginning of the show and doesn't get the show. I thought he was so annoying in the beginning of the episode when they are all at the table and like they're talking about, you know, Buffy coming back from heaven and he just goes like, me be happy or whatever he says, like in his like just caveman Xander talk. I'm right. like, okay, just shut up, Xander. Yeah. <laughs> he is one character that my first watch of the show, I really liked him and Every time I watch it as an adult, I'm like, oh. Yeah, I don't like him at all. <laughs> and I feel like I don't know what I don't know like the numerical timelines, but it felt like he was trying to do like a Chandler being light acting. Yeah, with, with, oh, with, absolutely. With his, with, his de- with his delivery, and it's just like, yeah. which is another gross character, you know. Like so, yeah, like. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, nah, th- none of this is working. Except I thought all their expressions. <laughs> When he steps on the crystal and they all kind of look at Willow, I thought they were very good expressions of like, just like disappointment and betrayal, betrayal. Yeah. Well, and then then when it comes to Buffy and Buffy's look of just absolute horror as she remembers her life. Oh yeah. Like she couldn't even move. Like you could tell she just re-remembered just being ripped out of heaven all over again. Like she just laid there. Yeah. But I do like it ending with her getting punched in the face and knocked over, which she's like, because she's, it's like, oh God, this is like heavy. And then it's like, whoop, whoop, she fell over. She got knocked over. But like, you know, she's fine because she's Buffy. So it's like, oh, all right, just a little punch. (laughs) But then then she doesn't want to even get up though. She just wants to let the person like beat the shit out of her because why does she want to even live? Like she doesn't probably know that she's feel heals really fast and stuff. You know, she just is like going like, yes, please destroy me. I don't want these feelings. Yep. And that leads me to my next note in all caps. Everything is bleak again. (laughs) (laughs) Huge, huge problem with this next scene. Okay. When you get this close up of Willow and she knows it's over. She knows she's been caught. She knows there's nothing she can do to fix this. And it's this incredible, it's building up to be this incredibly powerful moment between her and Tara and then Xander starts laughing and says, sorry, I just re- got back the memory of singing King Ralph. Yeah. Like, first of all, King Ralph. Yeah. What? Yet another, yet another reason to hate all, Xander. <laughs> right? And, like, and, and this is a problem when you're writing something that 
that has a lot of funny moments. And it's a problem that I kept coming up against when I was writing Slayer and the sequel Chosen is there's that tendency to want to put in the funny line every chance you get. But sometimes you need to just let the moment have integrity. And I felt like that that was a way for them to get Xander and Dawn out of there so that Tara and Willow could be alone. But they could have just walked out because everybody knew what that moment meant. Yes. And so for them to throw in that really dumb, funny It really fits with Xander at the same time because I feel like it was a very uncomfortable moment. And whenever anything is hyper uncomfortable, like Xander always goes to those like one-liners to like break the tension it's like oh yeah. so it's like while yeah it was really terrible but it is still kind of on track with how he is as I, a think, I think him him being like that as a character would have made it even more powerful if he just turned away in disgust and walked away you know yeah. like i'm not i'm not even gonna make an awkward joke yeah. like i'm just so oh you did this to us also yeah kirsten back to your point of king ralph that's such a weird reference <laughs> A weird reference. There are so many more like iconically funny movies you could reference, but like King Ralph. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't that... Is that even contemporary? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think it was even. I don't. It's think like it was either. Yeah, that and Alan Funt reference are very. I mean, I know Joss Whedon likes to throw in very specific weird references, but those seem like those are yeah, already dated. Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Those, yeah. And <laughs> anybody ever name check that as like a classic comedy? Those, those, no. de- those definitely <laughs> seem like look how clever I am references. Yeah. Uh, like an anti clever clever reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, then Michelle Branch starts playing goodbye to you. Uh, <laughs> I will never get over what the fuck is the bronze. Yeah. <laughs> Any bronze scene? I'm I'm watching the background. And like, what are these people doing here? What is this place? What is it? What's its business plan? What are they serving in these glasses? You know, do they have a kitchen? I just have in my notes. Oh no, Michelle Branch. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my Michelle Branch story. A few oh yes. Weeks ago on Twitter, I asked people to give me songs that make them remember Buffy, not necessarily songs from the show. And I said specifically, do not so much as mention Michelle Branch. And people probably thought it was because <laughs> from this scene, but really her big album came out my freshman year of college and my roommate, I, I had it and I liked it. And then my roommate listened to it obsessively and related it to every single moment with her boyfriend who I didn't really like. <laughs> alert, they've been married for 17 years. Um, and so like, it's like, it's like the, it's just very traumatic for me to hear Michelle Branch anymore because it takes me back to that miserable room. I never know the difference between Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton. You don't have to. That is a very, no, there is, is there? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're the same person. They, yeah. Didn't they start a band together after this? I feel like they did. There is a band called The Wreckers, but it's like, I don't think it's both of them. I think, I still think it's just one of them. <laughs> huh. I didn't even know that at all. But okay. yeah, um, I'll have you all know when I was rewatching, I literally turned off the episode. and was like, nope, I already know what happens. I don't need to watch this again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. It, it really is. And uh, I, I think everyone's acting is really good. Like Allison Hannigan gives such good cry face. Yes. <laughs> and it's like weird, right? Cause you feel, you feel bad, even though it's like, no, this is like Tara should be like Tara's doing the right thing. But I still feel bad for everyone, right? It's so much suffering. Because, yeah, Dawn is sad. Dawn's being abandoned again. Yeah. Tara is sad because Tara doesn't want to leave, but she, you know, she has to. Willow's sad. Buffy even does the cry chin when she's at the bar and she turns away from Spike. She has a little cry chin going on. Yeah. Like, they're all so good. And then I love, I'm, like, secretly vindictive, not secretly, openly vindictively pleased. (laughs) That Giles has the middle seat on a flight from Los Angeles to London serves you right. I'm glad you have the middle seat of suffering. (laughs) And it's just, it's also like, why are you leaving like so close to bad things happening? And like this other bad thing that clearly would also be upsetting to Buffy and and Dawn. It's like, oh, nope, now I gotta go. Like now I really gotta go. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the episode, Xander and Willow were talking about how they needed to make a bigger effort to be there for Buffy. But again, at the end, Buffy is by herself. And like, you know why Willow's not there? Because Willow and Tara are, you know, that's melting down. But why isn't Xander there? And 
Anya. Like they didn't have any big repercussions right. from this episode. And Spike is there and he's the only one that's there. And that's like really consistent through the season. When Buffy is at her lowest, the only person who is there is Spike, which which really helps lend weight to the whole, you know, it making sense that she would she would turn to that because he's the only one there. Yeah, and it, like, makes sense as to, like, why she continues to, like, forgive his, like, constant, like, signs of, like, abuse. Yeah. Because it's, like, well, she's still at her lowest, and, like, people at their lowest will still typically, like, turn back to their abuser, because, like, they have both sides of that. Like, oh, he's there for me, but he also is shitty to me, but I know he's going to be there for me tomorrow again, yeah. so it, it makes, it all makes sense to me. Yeah. And it yeah. lends to him being a predatory person, because he's always showing up when they're weakest. Yep. 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 But also, how has, how has no one ever remarked in this show about... Every time we come to this place, the bronze, the music is about what's happening to me. <laughs> Listen, Jordan. After a while, after a while, after a while, that's got to get weird, right? You got to start noticing. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but I think that makes sense, though. It's kind of like when you you're having a bad day and you get in the car and you turn on the radio. Like, no matter who you are, like what it is, like you can find a way to be like, oh, what are the odds? This song is exactly what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> or like when you're in high school and you are in a relationship or about to be in a relationship with someone and you associate a song with them and you're like, if it's playing on the radio right now, then it's meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Right then, but of course it is because it's Yellow by Coldplay and that's all they played that. <laughs> so of course it was playing on the radio. Anyway, I'm not speaking from personal experience here. Um, so, so Yellow in a relationship, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're at the end now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So, Jordan, yes, would you like to give us your favorite outfit? My favorite outfit of this episode is Tara's hair. All right. <laughs> oh my god, my I, my boyfriend was like, "Do you think we can make a wig like that?" <laughs> because what the fuck is going on? Uh yeah, I agree. Uh Discord, give us your uh drag fashion expert uh opinion. What's the best outfit? <laughs> Well, this is not a good one from a drag queen, but it was just definitely the Randy outfit. Like, I just, you can't help but laugh seeing Spike in that brown suit the entire, with the bow tie the entire time. It did fit him fairly well. I mean, that's one I would actually wear. So (laughs) that would be like the actually good outfit, not the one that's the craziest. (laughs) No, it's just my funny, it's my favorite. I just love seeing it the whole time. (laughs) Kirsten, what's your favorite outfit? Um, I'm, I'm, it's a close second for willow's shirt that has the convenient crystal pocket i can't unsee that and it is like what um but i'm gonna have to go with her matching towel ensemble (laughs) yes yes so overselling your i'm not ready yet uh i think mine would be i i put that i cheated for both my answers uh i put there's two it's a tie between buffy's i really like her jeans and her like white frilly whatever top with the black lawn jacket yeah. I like actually yeah. like that outfit and then Spike's suit. I also really like him in that suit discord. I, I don't even know, but I think it's like bad. It, I mean, it's not like a great suit, but I feel like it fits. I don't know. It just it looks good on it. Oh, it fits well. It's a great it. suit. But it's also like so out of character for him at the right. same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so jarring to see him in it. A similar suit to when they, when we cut, but when they cut back and show him before he's a vampire, is it? Uh, because he's wearing some kind of something very tweedy like that, I yeah, think. Yeah, I don't think it's, eh, maybe. Now I'm trying, I can't remember what he, I, I'm like, have I ever watched a show? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel, I feel discord from uh, us following each other on Twitter. We both have a similar kind of taste in style, and I feel like Spike more fits that, so it's, it is oh, yeah, funny. yeah, my like, favorite outfit of the entire show, like of the entire series, my favorite outfit is like in the 80s in the subway. Oh, it's such a good uh, one. Yeah. When, I have that action figure like sitting in my room. <laughs> like, I'm at it. <laughs> yeah, when we had James, when we had James Marsters on, I had to tell him that was like part of my sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> I remember correctly, he's wearing like a mesh tank top. It's like, or am I just fantasizing about that? He's got like that leather like vest on with all the safety pins. Like he just yeah, looks like really okay, idle. it was a vest. It wasn't a mesh tank top. Yeah, that, I, but you know, I would have been okay with that too. Yeah, I, I definitely like that outfit. Um. So, favorite scene, Kirsten? Oh, when they open the door and they all scream. <laughs> uh, Jordan? Uh, when Spike yelps when he falls off the counter. <laughs> yeah. uh, Discord? Oh, um, just Anya conjuring the bunnies and Giles fighting it all off and yelling at her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for this one, I cheated again. My favorite scene is 
them opening the door and screaming, and then, like, a few beats later when Anya's like, take it easy, Joan. I just I love it. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're going to grade the episode. Discord, what grade do you give the episode? I would give it a B, and I'm only knocking it down a little bit because I thought, like, I thought the shark was annoying. It's like, okay, you're a shark with, like, a, you're a demon with, like, a shark head being a lone shark. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's like, it makes sense, but it's also like, oh my god. And they're all like trading kittens, and but we never ever find out really why they're trading kittens. And like, I feel like the rest of the episode is so great, and that part's kind of annoying. <laughs> uh, Jordan? Um, I'll also give it a B just because I felt like some, like those references actually really annoyed me. The ones that we were talking about that didn't make any sense. Um, but I, it's high enough because I love the shark head at Lone Shark. I, my, my, I, I love Buffy the most when it's being like that ridiculous, like campiness to it. All right, fair. Uh, Kirsten? Yeah, I'm going to give it an A. This is in my top 10 yeah. of all of the Buffy episodes. Um, I actually reference, um, this is a spoiler, slight spoiler, Yay. but in the sequel to Slayer and Chosen, I reference something from this episode that he, that Jordan's going to love and Discord's going to hate. So I don't know what it is. Um, Street sharks. But yeah, I, I love this episode. And it's such like a, it's so heavy at the beginning and the ending, but it's nice that in the middle you have just this return to, I love a good excuse for everybody to be somebody else in an episode. Yeah, yeah uh, we're, I think I, we're on the same page, Kirsten. Uh, yeah, I give it an A. It's definitely my top 10. I, I, side note, I'll have you all know, because I'm sure you, well, I know you have, Kirsten, seen the podcast covers I do. I tried to make a lone shark. I was, like, looking into how I could make a figure of that stupid shark in his suit, but I couldn't find, like, an appropriate shark head that I could put onto, a, like, action figure's body. I told you, <laughs> Be- street sharks. Because I did look up street <laughs> sharks on eBay. I was like, maybe I can buy one of those from that old cartoon, but they're just, like, slightly too cartoony looking. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening. If you want to follow SlayerFest98, you can find us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98, and you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and a bunch of other places, and you can check out our Patreon, where we have some exclusive uh, patron-only content, and it really helps with producing the podcast, getting it out there, doing the cover art, maintaining the Twitter. Uh, And if you want to follow me, I'm at Ian X Carlos on all social media platforms. Jordan, where can everyone find you? You can find me writing weird things on Twitter at at hottest singles, which is the dread singles account. And also everything else you can find links to at jordanshively.com. Discord, where can everyone find you? Um, You can find me at discord Adams on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. See, we both got the consistency. <laughs> Kirsten, where can everyone find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at, at Kirsten White, on Instagram at, at author Kirsten White, and also my book Slayer, which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff series, is out now. You can find it anywhere. Cool. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for thank having you. us.